Yeah, you'll notice that once I got my hands on that baby, just calm down. I'm like the baby whisperer. <laughs> I have that effect on people. I'm such a calming guy. You know, just you get my presence and go right to sleep. Um, I want to welcome those of you that are over in, in the venue and blessings on you. Thanks, Jared, for leaving, leading worship over there. If you're watching us online, we're glad to have you with us. And uh, if you're listening on the radio, um, uh, greetings. Um, this past week, I asked you to um, uh, post your wedding pictures on my Facebook page. And those of you that are friends of mine, and anybody can be a friend, just go there and friend me, and, and you become a friend. It was unbelievable what, what took place. I mean, there are hundreds of wedding photos on there, and um, you can't help and look at them and not smile. It just brings you great joy to look at them. Some of them are like old, and, and you go, dude, man, who's that guy? <laughs> and if they hadn't put their name on it, you'd never know. Um, but I, I just challenge you, go there, check them out, and I, and I tell you, you'll smile. You have to. I had a number of people let me know that, you know, I hadn't looked at my wedding pictures in years, in some cases, decades. And when I pulled them out and began to look at them, it was amazing the emotion that came back into my life. I forgot about that great moment. In fact, a couple of people said, you know, I had never, we never, you know, showed our children our wedding pictures. And let me encourage you to do that. If, you, if you're married, pull them out. Show them to your kids. You and your wife just sit down and, and look at them and remember uh, that incredible moment. Well, look, we're in a series here at uh, Big Valley Grace called uh, The Fruit That Makes a Marriage Great. And it's really a series about relationships. So whether you're single or, or married, I guarantee you're going to get something out of it. And I want to start by just asking all of you over in the venue here, if you're married, I want you to stand up, okay? All married couples, stand up. And I know some of you, your spouses aren't here, they're working or whatever, but just stand up, okay? And reach over, put your arm around your bride, to grab her hand, do something cool, you know, whatever. Um, Father, thank you, Lord, for these that are standing. And I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would speak to each one of them. And every one of these uh, marriages is in a different place. Some are newlyweds, been married weeks, months. Some have been married years, decades. Some uh, longer than I've been alive, Lord. And I pray, Father, that you would teach them today through your spirit, whatever it is that they need to know. And I pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, you guys all grab a seat, okay? Now, if you're single in here, whether you're just a young person, a high school or junior high, or maybe you're in college, maybe you've been through a divorce or two, I don't care why you're single, I want you to stand up. Everybody who's single, stand up. Yeah, Kate, stand up. All right. Now, now here's the deal. I've told you that statistically speaking, you're gonna get married. I, I know some of you won't. There are some people that God, for whatever reason, keeps single uh, you're, you know, their entire life, but statistically speaking, you're probably going to get married. And if you've been married once or twice or three times, you know what? Uh, uh, the chances are good you're going to marry again, okay? And I've given you two words that I've asked you to kind of grab a hold of, and those two words are? Choose yeah, choose wisely, okay? <laughs> it, it's the United States of America. You get to make the, the choice, 
And whether it's going to be your first time, your second time, your fourth time, it doesn't matter. Let, let, let's, let's, let's engage our intellect. And I want you to choose wisely, okay? Father, thank you for these that are standing. I pray you pour out your favor on each of them and Holy Spirit, speak to them wherever they're at in their life right now, God. And I pray this in your name, amen. amen. All right, gra grab a seat, okay? Our, our theme verse has been Galatians chapter uh, five, verses 22 and 23, which I want us to say out loud together, okay? Here we go. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Beautiful. Okay, now, we kicked off the series three weeks ago by looking at love. We looked at what God has to say about love, not what Hollywood has to say about love or whatever. We looked at what does God's word have to say about love. Then two weeks ago, we looked at joy. We looked at the three stages of marriage and how you can restore the joy back to your own personal life or the joy back to your marriage if it has somehow disappeared. Then last week, we looked at peace. We talked about how you can be a peacemaker in your marriage or in your relationship, and today we're gonna to talk about, about patience. It's unbelievable what God's word has to say about patience. Now, if you're visiting with us each week, I put together a little program that looks like this, and there's a shell, and all of the verses that I'm gonna look at or talk about, most of them are in here, or they're gonna come up on the jumbotrons, and I just wanna invite you to take this, and who knows, maybe the Lord will, will say something to you, and you might wanna uh, write that down. Okay, um, in 1 Corinthians, we're, we're given the, the greatest definition of love ever given. The Bible says this, that love is patient. Love is kind, love does not envy, love does not boast, love is not proud, love is not rude, love does not uh, seek uh, itself, and love is not easily angered. Now the word patience comes from the Greek word makrothumo, which means uh, it takes you a long time to boil over. Makrothumo has the idea that you have a long fuse. It takes you a long time to, to, to blow up or to get angry. You're, you're not easily angered. Now, we all get angry at times because Anger is a, a normal human reaction. Jesus got angry over 375 times in the Old Testament alone. It says that God got angry, okay? The Bible says in Ephesians chapter four, if you become angry, and you will, you will become angry. Don't let your anger lead you into sin. When you become angry, don't let your anger lead you into sin. In other words, there's a right way and a wrong way to get angry. There's a harmful way and a helpful way to get angry. The issue we're gonna deal with isn't how to get rid of all your anger because there are some things that we ought to be angry about as believers. There, there are some things that God wants us to be angry about. It could be in our nation. It could be what's happening in our state, in our, our city. Uh, it might be what's happening in your family. It could be what's happening in your own personal life. 
There are some things that God wants us to get angry about. In fact, one of the things that troubles me is the fact that too many believers aren't getting angry over the things that we ought to get angry over. There are things that God wants us to be, to be angry uh, uh, about. So what we're going to deal with isn't how you, you, you get rid of all your anger. I just want to talk about how you can express your anger in a non-destructive way. And I want you to know, look, this is going to be... Um, uh, this is going to be a great time for us. For some of you, it's going to be a little hard. It's going to feel a little bit uncomfortable. But that's okay. It's all right. It just means that the Holy Spirit is working in your life. And probably everybody in this room is going to feel a little bit uncomfortable. Some may feel a little bit more uncomfortable than others because that's what the Holy Spirit does. It convicts us of sin and tweaks us a little bit, and, but I guarantee if you just pay attention, man, you could leave here today and who knows what might, might take place in, in, in your life. The Bible says this in Psalms 86, but you, O Lord, are a God of compassion and mercy, and then it says, you're slow to get angry. The Bible says that God himself is slow to get angry. And we're all thankful for that, aren't we? <laughs> this past week, I was looking at that verse, and I was just kind of moving on and kind of doing my little thing, and all of a sudden, I, I know it was the Holy Spirit just stopped me, and I just, just looked at those words, that God is slow to get angry. And I want you to know I was really grateful. You see, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty well acquainted with my own sin, and I uh, give the Lord probably every day many, many reasons why he ought to be angry with me. But I'm very thankful that he is a God who's full of compassion, he's full of mercy, and that he's slow to get angry. And the Bible really says that we're to be imitators of God. The Bible says that we're to be conformed to the image of, of Jesus. And so I know that God expects me as one of his children. And if you name the name of Christ, he expects you to be like him. He expects you to be slow to get angry. Get angry about some things. But you need to be slow to get angry, and so how do you do it? How, how do you better keep your anger under control? Well, this is what I wanna talk about today, okay? This is, this, I think this is gonna be helpful. Number one, you better control your anger when you gather some wisdom as to why you get angry. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 19, a man's wisdom gives him patience. A person's wisdom gives them patience, and in your notes or in your Bible or whatever, you gotta underline that word, wisdom. You see, the better you understand yourself, the better you understand others, like your spouse or your children or your parents or whatever, the easier it is for you to better control your, your anger. Why is that? Why does gathering wisdom help? Well, it, it, anger's kinda like a, a warning light. It's not the, your, your real problem. Your anger is simply telling you that there's something much deeper going on in your life, which means you, you need some wisdom to know what's going on in your life. Uh, I have a, a Toyota that I drive, and sometimes this red light goes on. 
That red light tells me you've got trouble with the car. It doesn't tell me what the trouble is. It just is warning me there's trouble. It could be you're low on oil. I don't know, your, your tire pressure's low. Your, your, you know, your crankshaft needs cranking. <laughs> Obviously, I don't know anything about cars, uh, which is why I'm thankful for the warning light because I don't know anything. And I got, a, I got a situation at that moment when it comes on. I can blow that light off or I can gather some wisdom as to what's happening. Why is that light on? And that's what, what anger is. When you sense that you're getting angry at your spouse or your kids or your parents or whoever it is, there's something happening within you, that's a warning light. And you need to gather some wisdom. And I want to give you three of the most common reasons we get angry. And they're, they're deeper than your anger. And I've talked about these before. Number one, or A, hurt causes anger. When you're physically hurt or you're emotionally hurt, you get angry. If you're a, a builder and you're hammering and you, you hit your thumb, boom, boom, you get angry, don't you? Or you're working on your car and the wrench slips off and you, you know, drag your knuckles across something. Oh, it hurts. And you get angry. If your best friend doesn't invite you to their party, it causes you some pain, doesn't it? Which then makes you angry. If something doesn't go the way you think it ought to go, it causes you some pain. And you get angry. Studies have been done that show that even after many years after a divorce, people are still angry. Why? Because divorce hurts. And it's supposed to hurt. When you come together and make vows before people and God and, and, and you divorce, it ought to be painful. There ought to be a lot of hurt involved. And for some of you, bless your souls, you, you, you've been through one, two, three, four, five, six, seven divorces. Some of you are like that, that woman that Jesus met at the well who had been married four times and was living with somebody. And Jesus has this amazing conversation with her, and then she goes and basically evangelizes her whole city. And that's kind of your life. You've been through a lot of divorces and, and, and there's just a lot, of, a lot of hurt there, which means there's a lot of anger. And let me tell you something, inside your program is this little flyer, it says divorce care. It's 13 weeks, it's biblically based. And basically it's for those of you that bless your soul have been through a divorce and there's pain, there's sorrow, there's hurt. Maybe you've been through one, two, three, or four. And the reason why you're on number four is because you never dealt with the pain of number three, number two, or number one. Hey, come on. This would be the place for you to go. Sign up for it and say, you know what? I want this next one to, 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 to be forever and, and deal with whatever's going on in your life. The second thing that'll cause anger is frustration. When nothing seems to work, when, when things don't go your way, when you're forced to wait, when Murphy's Law is in effect, you get frustrated, right? What causes you to get angry? Now, I love... I love computers. I don't know anything about them, but I love computers, man. I love my computer. My wife is sitting right down here and she's going to attest to what I'm going to say next. And I love that thing, but I'm convinced that somehow computers and the antichrist 
Or there, there's, there's, a, there's a wedding that got, has gone on because I can be working on my computer and everything's going great and then something goes haywire. And it's like, and I'm get, I get frustrated. Sweetheart, my computer. And, and, and I'm all angry. And then she's like that IT guy that comes in and goes, move. And it's all fixed. And I, I go, what? What did you just do? How did you just do that? Move. And number three or C, uh, insecurity causes anger. You know what happens when you back an animal into a corner at some moment, it attacks you, right? And the same thing is true for you. If somebody embarrasses you, it makes you feel insecure, which then makes you angry and it causes you to fight back. When somebody criticizes you, it makes you feel insecure, which then makes you angry, and then it causes you to kind of fight back. When, when somebody attacks your character, right, it makes you feel insecure, which then makes you angry, which then causes you to fight back. And Christian, one of the great ways you learn to break the pattern of anger is when you stop and you, and you think, you, you gather wisdom before acting. You see, God gave us emotions. And I say this all the time, but your emotions have no IQ. You can't educate your emotions. I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to appeal to your emotion right now. Jesus said it's the truth that sets you free, not your emotions. And so what you have to do is we're human beings, and so when you're emotional about something, you gotta go to a higher place. You gotta go to your intellect. You gotta engage your brain. You can be driving down the road and somebody cuts you off and man, you get all angry and you're all upset and your emotions wanna just step on the gas and ram the guy. But what you have to do is you have to go, hold on, hold on, hold on, I've got to go to a higher place. I have to go to my intellect. I've gotta think about this. Ram in the back of this car isn't gonna be the best thing. Listen to what the Bible says. In Proverbs chapter 13, wise people think before they act. Wise people engage their minds. They engage their intellect. They just don't run on emotion. I'm angry, I'm upset, I'm whatever, I'm in love, whatever. They engage their minds. Fools don't. Fools don't engage their mind. Fools don't engage their intellect. And the reality is, is this, is everybody in this room, everybody over in the venue, we've all been fools, you know, six or seven times, right? Some of you lost track, okay? I, I couldn't count all the times I, I've been a fool. Listen, I want you to know that the key word in anger management is the word think. Because if you stop and think, it delays your response. It'll buy you some time, which is important because we've all said things in anger and two seconds after it came out of our mouths, we went, oh man, why'd I say that? And everybody's done it. So those of you that are feeling guilty right now, guess what, we've all done it. We're, we're in the heat of the moment and here's our spouse or our kids or our parents or whoever it is and, and we didn't stop and think, and we just shot something out. 
And literally, as it's coming out, you're going, oh no, oh no, no. And you're, you're, you're just trying to get it and it just, and it's already hit the mark. And it's already done damage. A wise man once told me, Rick, all a sharp tongue does is cut your own throat. And, and that's the truth. Now let me give you one great question you need to ask yourself when you're angry. And if you'll ask yourself this question, it'll buy you the time you need. It'll force you to stop and think. And that is this. Why, why am I angry? Why has my spouse got me all angry? Why are my kids got me all bowed out of shape? Why, why are my parents making me so angry? Why, are, why, why, why is that? What's going on? Why am I hurt? Why am I frustrated? I, I, am I insecure? Am I hurt? Am I frustrated? Is it my ego? Is it my pride? Am I insecure about what that person just said? Does it threaten me? What's the real issue here? Why am I angry? What is it? And it's okay to have some awkward silence. Better to have some awkward silence with this person that you love and you care about than to fill the void with just words that can hurt. Beloved, this is a great question to wrestle with. Why am I angry? Because the better you understand what's going on in your life, the better the chances you will not cross some line and sin against your spouse or those that you love and anger. There, there's an old saying that goes like this. Speak when you're angry and you'll make the best speech you'll ever regret. <laughs> and I, I've made a few of those. We all have. So for those of you that are going, oh man, I wish he wasn't talking about this. Man, I need to get out of here, man. I'm embarrassed. We've all been there. This thing weighs about six ounces. I call it the six ounce beast. Because it, it, you just can't control it at times. Six ounces. But boy, trying to get a handle on that thing sometimes can be hard. And God's word has just given us all some really, really fantastic uh, wisdom. And, and now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking to yourself, you know what? That's just the way I am, Pastor. I just kind of explode when I get angry, and I, I, I just can't change. It's the way I am, and, and that's, just, that's, just, that's just a lie. We can all change. We've all had those moments, right, where you and your spouse are really having a good one in your home, and things are, yeah, and the doorbell rings. Oh, hey, how are you? Good to see you. Yeah, come on in. Grab some cookies. Yeah, yeah, come on in. You know, a cop pulls you over and you're, oh man, I can't believe it. And the, the window goes down, hey, officer, how are you? <laughs> I, I've been here 30 years, and before there was caller ID, I used to call houses, and you know there was just this major fight going down. Yeah, hello! Hey, this is Pastor Rick. Oh, hey, praise the Lord. Um, <laughs> my wife and I were just sitting around talking about what we're gonna give next week. Uh, gonna, in fact, we're gonna bring our offering in early. Look, look, here's the deal. Quit, quit using the excuse, you know, I can't change, or I can't control my anger. You can. 
It's a choice you make. It's a choice that we all, you know, all of us make. So the first thought is this, okay, you better control your anger when you gather some wisdom as to why you get angry, okay? Now, number two really goes with number one. In fact, the next three really go with number one, but I made them their own point because I think they're, they're super important, okay? Number two, you better control your anger when you really understand that it comes with a cost. It comes with a cost, and this is about gathering some wisdom, okay? The Bible tells us all kinds of crummy things happen when your anger is out of control. Let me give you a little taste, okay? Proverbs chapter 11 says, to those who bring trouble on their families will have nothing at the end. One version says, the fool who provokes his family to anger and resentment will finally have nothing worthwhile left. And some of you, um, unfortunately, have experienced this or you're experiencing it now. Mom, dad, when you motivate your kids with anger, you, you might get short-term results, you know? If you put the fear of God into them and you get all angry, you know what? The chances are good that they'll do whatever it is you're asking them to do in the short term. But in the long term, the relationship suffers. There's a cost, a, a high cost, when you motivate your kids out of anger. Some of you are adults and you don't have a good relationship with your dad or your mother because they were angry. Oh, you may have done what your dad asked you to do because you didn't want the wrath of your dad, but today you're an adult and you don't want much to do with them. Some of you don't want anything to do with your, your parents. Yes, your out of control anger can get some short-term results, but in the end, it, it, it just, it just comes with a high cost, a real high, high cost. Proverbs 14 says, people with a hot temper do foolish things. Proverbs 15 says, hot tempers cause arguments, but patience brings peace. Proverbs 29 says, an angry person causes trouble. A person with a quick temper sins a lot. Understand the cost. Gather some wisdom, and part of the wisdom is, is wow, if I don't get this under control, there's a cost that comes. It, it leads to all kinds of sin. Beloved, out of control, anger destroys. It destroys friendships, and that's probably happened to a lot of you. It destroys families. I know that has happened to many of you. And it destroys marriages. The reason why some of you have divorced once or twice or three times or whatever it is, is because of anger. There was just out of control rage going on in your home and it, it came with a, a, a high price. Proverbs 14 says, people with understanding control their anger. Gather some wisdom. One version says, slowness to anger makes for deep understanding. A quick-tempered person stockpiles stupidity. And one of the reasons a quick-tempered person is foolish is because they hurt the very people that they supposedly love the most. I mean, you love your spouse, and yet here you are hurting the very person you love the most. You love your kids. I know you do. But the very people you love the most, you hurt. 
I know you love your parents, but boy, kids, students, when your anger's out of control, you're hurting the very people you love the most. One of the things that will help you get your anger under control is when you, you come to grips with the cost, okay? There's always a price tag, always a price tag to anger. There comes a moment when you gotta go to the cash register and pay for it. And here's the deal, none of you have the money in the bank to pay for it. It's way too high of a, of a, of a price. Now, now, number three is where I, I'm really gonna get spiritual. This, this one's huge. Buckle your seatbelt. You better control your anger when you get some rest and eat a good meal. Once again, this is about gathering some wisdom. One of uh, the great prophets in the Bible was a man by the name of Elijah. He really was a great man, a godly man, a, a man that God used in some incredible ways, okay? But he was a, a man nonetheless. And there's a story in the Bible about a battle that he had with 450 false prophets. So here you have this one prophet of God against 450 false prophets, okay? That's what I call a poor profit margin. <laughs> I don't care. I thought, I just think that's funny. Okay. Anyway, you got, you got Elijah, one prophet, real prophet of God, 450, and they get into a battle. It's an incredible story, and God does a miracle and wipes out these 450 false prophets prophets of Baal. I mean, it is an unbelievable moment, and Elijah sees the whole thing, okay? But there was this queen named Jezebel, and when Je Jezebel heard about what God had done, she said, hang on here a second. This ain't over with, Elijah. I'm coming after you. Don't, don't, don't think we're, we're finished, which causes Elijah to have a total meltdown. He goes ballistic. He runs as fast as he can to the other end of the country trying to get away from one woman. He just watched God wipe out 450 false prophets. He just saw it with his own eyes. And now he's running scared. He's depressed. He's angry. He's thinking to himself, man, I just had this great victory. God, why are you allowing this one woman to chase after me? This is the you know, typical poor me speech. Poor me, you know. Why does everything bad happen to me? Listen to what the Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 19. It says, Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the desert. He came to a broom tree and he sat down under it and he prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he laid down under the tree and then he fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, Elijah, get up, you need to eat. He looked around and there by his head was a cake of bread, uh, a, a cake of uh, bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and he drank, then he laid down again and went to sleep. Beloved, here's this prophet of God who's really down and out. He, he literally wants to die, so he finds a quiet place and he falls asleep. And what does God do? God wakes him up and gives him some food to eat and then he lets him lay back down and go to sleep. God doesn't say, hey, why don't you get up, you loser? 
Don't you know there are people out there that, that, that need me? Why don't you trust in me? Let, let me empower your life. Get out there. Time is short. People are dying and going to hell. There, there's, there's people out there that need to be food. The work of God needs to be done. Get up. God doesn't do that. And the reason why God doesn't do that is because he knows that we need rest. He knows that we need food. He made us that way. Christian, th th this is critical. It's one of the most important things you can do because more often than not, when it comes to anger, listen to me, all you need is a good night's sleep and some good food. Some good food. And it's amazing what that will do. You see, when we get all busy and we're going, going, going all the time, it, it causes anxiety and frustrations and all kinds of cruddy things, which then leads us to get angry. And God is very much aware of these tendencies that we have, which is why God's word has so much to say about resting. Some of you wear you know, as a badge of honor, the fact that you work seven days a week and you go, 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 go. And that's not a badge of honor to God. The Bible says that that would be sin. God wants you to rest. He made you that way. And for some of you, maybe the thing that would just cause there to be peace in your home and, you know, help you to be a more patient person is just... Get some rest. Eat some good food. Remember, a, a quick temper is, is simply a, a warning light. And when that warning light goes on, it might be that you go, you know what? Before I open my mouth, I think the best thing is I just go take a nap. Just tired. Haven't eaten very well. I haven't eaten very much. I'm just grouchy, I'm just upset, I just gotta, get some, just gotta get some sleep. But sometimes we need more than just a nap. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11. Jesus said, come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I'm gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Now most people come to Jesus for salvation, right? Most people come to Jesus for forgiveness. Most people come to Jesus for the cleansing of their sins, right? Most of us in this room over in the venue, that's what we've done. But Jesus also says, come to me and I'll, I'll give you rest. And that's good news because life at times can be crazy. For some of you, life is just crazy right now. Some of you, 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 you didn't even think you could make it. You ran here at the last minute. You know, there are people that should have been here. Oh, I'm going to be here. But they're not here. And the reason why is life just overtook them. Busy doing this, busy doing that, got to do this, got to do that. There's all this stuff. And Jesus says, come to me. I'll give you rest. Now, he offers you a way different kind of rest than a nap can give you. Jesus says, I can give you rest for your souls. You see, one of the things that happens to us, even though we know Jesus and even though our names are in the Lamb's Book of Life, you know, and we're going to go to heaven and all that stuff, down here, this side of glory, 
Some of you in this room, some of you over there in the venue, watching online or whatever, <laughs> you got a category five hurricane going on in your soul. You got a category five tornado just twirling around within you. And there's no pill that will take care of that category five hurricane in your soul. There's no therapist that can take care of that category five hurricane in your soul. There's not a, a meeting with a pastor that will take care of that category five hurricane in your soul. There's only one way you deal with that, and that is you have to come to Jesus. Jesus is the only one who can give you rest for your souls. Now, sometimes just a, a nap and food will do it. But sometimes it's not. Some of you, bless your souls, you wake up after a nap, if you can even get one, and you wake up and it's still there, your soul is just so restless. And because your soul is restless, the people you love the most, your wife, your kids, your husband, there's just tension all the time. One commentator said this, people today are like the restless sea, seeking peace but finding instead turmoil and tension, fear and frustration. The world is in a state of unrest because individuals are in a state of unrest. Listen to me, the reason why your marriage is in a state of unrest for some of you is because your soul is in a state of unrest. This commentator goes on and says, the world is full of heavy-laden people. They may have a smile on their face, but hidden behind the smile is a burden almost too heavy to bear. And I know for some of you, that that's you today. You came in here with the smile on your face, and you, know, you sang the right song, and you gave a little offering, and you got your Bible open, you got your notes out. You, you, you look right but inside, there's something going on. Something that only Jesus Christ can really deal with in, 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 in your life. Number four, you, you, you better guard your anger when, when you guard your relationships. Once again, this is about gathering wisdom. Proverbs says, don't make friends with quick-tempered people or spend time with those that have bad tempers. If you do, you'll be like them. Then you'll be in real danger. One version of the message says, don't hang out with angry people. Don't keep company with hotheads. Bad temper is contagious. Don't get infected. Well, listen to me. You'll become an angry person if you hang out with angry people. Okay, anger is like, like the flu. You hang out with them, guess what? You get it. The reason why some of you are angry is because you hung out with your father or your mother. You had no choice, and you caught it from them. And you know who your dad and mom caught it from? They caught it from their grandpa, you see. It, it, is, it is a contagious thing. And for some of you, listen to me. It's critical because you're going to infect your children. If you don't get a handle on this, if you, you, I'm, uh, listen to me. If you don't get serious about this thing, you are going to infect your own children. And this is just hugely in, in, important. Some of you need to actually quarantine yourself from those that 
have anger, you know, infection. In other words, don't, don't hang around these folks. And there are some people that are just, you know, always angry. Just always angry. Just, you got to be careful. Now, some of you are thinking, Pastor Rick, what if the angry person is somebody in my family? You know, like my spouse. You know, how do I handle this? Well, that's a great question. Let, let me tell you what God's Word says. God says in Proverbs chapter 15 that a gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. And you all know that, don't you? This is our memory verse for the week, by the way. In the midst of an argument, you need to remember this. There's, a, there's huge power when you choose to speak gently with your spouse or your children or your parents. Now, now gentle doesn't mean quiet. You, you can be quietly sarcastic. Amen. Yeah, amen. You can be quietly harsh and get your spouse just to rage. In fact, one word can cause someone to blow up in anger, and usually we know what that one word is when it comes to our spouses, don't we? So gentle doesn't mean quiet. Let me tell you what it means. Gentle means humble. It means you, you, you think about the other person. It means stop and, and think about how you would want to be treated if you were them. It means stopping and thinking about what their need is. One, one of the great questions you can ask yourself internally is this. Could I be the one that's wrong? And for some of you, you're thinking, boy, the pastor obviously doesn't know me. It, 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 it couldn't be me. Look, tension happens in every home. It happens in any relationships you have. And if that person who tends to be a little, you know, can get fired up pretty quickly, wife, husband, kids, you just have to be gentle, be humble. I guarantee you, if you're humble, it, 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 it'll stop you, you know, from more gas being put on the thing. Because sometimes you may not be able to get away, but you, you can be careful in how you, you answer somebody. N number five, you better control your anger when you walk closely with God and talk uh, uh, or, or pray with him about the things that cause you to get angry. The Bible says in Philippians chapter four, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live, as you walk, and as you talk, and as you enjoy your relationship, if you will, with Jesus Christ. You see, when, when you go to God in prayer and share with him all the stuff that's got you all worked up, your hurts, your fears, your insecurities, your frustrations, whatever, he promises that he'll give you his peace, which is exactly what you need when you're all bowed out of shape and angry. When, when you've gathered some wisdom as to what it is that gets you all fired up, why, God, look, what you got to do is you got to spend some time with the Lord and walk with him, talk with him. You see, you give God your hurt and he exchanges it for his peace. You give God your frustrations, he exchanges it for his peace. You give God your insecurities, he exchanges it for your peace. 
When you're filled with God's peace that allows you to stay cool and calm and in a crisis or a traffic jam or when you're talking with your spouse about the finances or you're trying to get your teenager to, I don't know, clean their room or whatever. Jesus said, I'm leaving you with a gift. Listen, here's the gift. I'm leaving you with the gift. Peace of mind and heart, John 14 says. And the peace that I give is a gift the world cannot give you. It's a gift. God is the source of patience. It's a, it's a gift from him, and the only way you truly experience it is when you walk with him and you talk with him. That's the only way you experience it. Let me give you an illustration. If I had a tube of toothpaste up here and I were to squeeze it, what comes out? No. What comes out is whatever I've put into it. See, I could take the toothpaste out and put mayonnaise in it. I could take the toothpaste out and put chili beans in it. I could take the toothpaste out and put anything I want in it. You won't know what's inside of it to squeeze it. That's when you'll find out what's inside. And the same thing is true for all of us. When the world puts the squeeze on you, when there's tension in your marriage, when there's, when there's something going on in your family, when you're squeezed, what's inside is going to come out. And if you've filled your life with Jesus, if you've filled your life with his word, and you've enjoyed your relationship with him, and you've been in the word, and, and, and you're talking with him about the stuff that's going on in your life, you're involved in Bible studies, you're committed to coming to church and being involved in here, you're, you're, you're committed to giving and all the things that we do to worship the Lord. When you're committed to those kinds of things, when you're squeezed, guess what's going to happen? Peace is going to come out. Look, if you're full of anger, anger is going to come out. If you're full of peace, peace is going to come out. Our theme verse is Galatians 5, right? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Beloved, you can't have your life filled with the fruit of the Spirit, and then when you're squeezed, uncontrolled anger comes out. You can't do it. When you find yourself angry, that tells you something. You just, you just aren't filled anymore with God's spirit. Something's, something's gone on. And you need to get away. You need to go on an unhurried day. There's just things that you need to do to make sure that you and the Lord are, 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 are good. Listen, when you're filled with God's spirit, when you're walking and talking with the Lord, almost nothing can upset you. But when you're filled with anger, almost anything will upset you, huh? Isn't that the truth? No, no, number six, you, you better control your anger when you learn to release it in a God-honoring way. Okay, once again, Ephesians says, if, if you become angry when you do, just don't let your anger lead you into sin, okay? Once again, anger in of itself isn't wrong. There are some things that God wants you to get angry at. The issue is how you handle it. You gotta release it in a God-honoring way. Proverbs 29 says, a fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps his anger under control. How should you respond to anger? I want you to know, this is gonna be the best part of the whole thing right here for some of you. Listen to me. Focus right here. You got four options, three don't work. 
Number one, you can try to hold your anger in. And when you do that, it works for a while. But then there comes a moment, and it's always ugly when it comes out. Number two, you can try to pretend that your anger doesn't exist. God didn't want you to do that. You can unload your anger onto somebody else, and, and that certainly doesn't work. Or last but not least, you can admit that you're angry. First, you admit it to yourself. You, you, you say, God, I'm angry. I'm, I'm angry right now. What is it? Why am I angry? Was I hurt? Am I frustrated about something? Am I insecure about something? Just admit the fact that you're angry. And then number two, you've got to admit it to God. God, I'm angry. And this doesn't feel good, God. There's something going on. And, and this woman that I love, this, these children that I love, this man that I love, man, I'm, I, I'm just ready to blow. You go to God and say, God, help me. I'm struggling. And then number three, you, you admit it to the person. You know, you sit down with your spouse and say, I just want you to know, I don't, I don't know what it is, but I'm just, I'm just angry. But you're just having a conversation. You're recognizing, you're admitting to yourself you're angry. You admitted to God you're angry. And once you come to grips with it in your own life and you admit it to God, you know what? It's easier to go to somebody else and talk with them about whatever's going on in your life. Now, this is what I want you to do, okay? Everybody pull out that card, okay? The, the Connect card, and um, over in the venue, pull the Connect card out, and I want everybody to do this, whether you've been here 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, I don't care how long you've been here, okay? Everybody fill this card out, and if you are here for the very first time, just do me a favor and mark that box. In a moment here, I'm gonna tell you what you're gonna do with this card, and we're gonna be a blessing to you as a church family, okay? If you're here for the first time, just mark that. It's an encouragement to me. I'll send you a little something, and just... I'll just know that you're here. I get these cards, and maybe this is your second time with us. Maybe you came last week, and just mark that little box up there. But this is what I want you to do. For some of you, you're going, oh, man, you know, I just feel really, really crummy. I'm embarrassed. I'm, I, I wish I wasn't here. I'm sitting next to my spouse, and, and I'm, 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 I'm angry at times. I don't have much patience. I have a short fuse. Maybe you're sitting next to your children and you're going, oh man, this was brutal today. Here's the deal. I want you to embrace that. Embrace it. That means that the Holy Spirit is working in your life, as I said earlier. And you can either go, you know what, I can hardly wait to get out of here and, and go home and not do anything about it, which would be really crummy. Or you can say, you know what, I... I, I I gotta sit down with my wife, my husband. And maybe before you ever get home, maybe you just stay in here. I saw some people in here last night. Saw a couple right outside those doors. They were, all were guys who just didn't wanna wait and they just sat down with their spouses and said, hey look, I'm sorry. I have caused a lot of damage to you, to the kids. Forgive me. You go home and you talk with your kids. Maybe your kids are older. They're in their 30s or 40s. You go home and you call them up, even if they live out of state, and say, you know what? I heard from the Lord today at church. And I know that my anger caused a lot of hurt and pain and sorrow in your life. And forgive your dad, will you? Pray for, you. Pray for your dad. He's trying to, trying to really work on this. Pray for your mom. 
if it's you. And that'd be a great way to begin. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Oh, man, my husband, my wife has told me that a thousand times, right? And the Bible says that you're to forgive a thousand times. But I want to give you one more thing to do if you're the one who tends to get angry all the time. I want you to say to your spouse, I'm angry, or I know my anger has caused us lots of trouble, but I'm going to take a step this time. I'm going to take an action step. Because they've heard it a thousand times. And all I want you to do maybe is write on this card, CR, Celebrate Recovering. You see, I know that some of you have been angry so long, you've got the anger flu. It's mutated. It's to the point to where, man, just seems like nothing will help. No penicillin is going to take care of your anger. It's just mutated. That's what Celebrate Recovery is for down here on Tuesday nights. You come down here and there's, I don't know, 500 people here and they're all worshiping the Lord and we sing together. You hear a testimony from somebody that's finding deliverance in Jesus Christ in all different kinds of areas. And then we have groups, uh, guy groups get together, girl groups get together. And a lot of those groups are, are groups where they just struggle with anger. And they get together and they study the word of God together. They, they're with the Lord together. They learn how to walk and talk with the Lord at a deeper level. They hold each other accountable. And if you put CR on there, we as a staff are going to pray for you. You're telling me at that moment, hey, pastor, I got the flu and I got it bad. And then I want you to show up down here on Tuesday night. And if you put CR on there, somebody from the CR department, one of our CR pastors is going to call you and just say, hey, you wrote CR on there. How can we be a blessing to you? And share that with your spouse. Say, I know I've got this bad. I know I've caused some damage, but I'm, I'm going to get some help. And then here's the deal. Nothing is more important than Tuesday nights. You see, once you don't go, what you're saying to your spouse is, you know what, I, I'm not really serious about it this time. And I know there's all kinds of excuses. Well, I, hey, I, I went on a date with my wife. So what? It's more important that you deal with your anger than you go out on a date with your wife. Because there's going to come a moment when they're not going to be with your wife anymore. Well, I, you know, man, I only get to see my kid play baseball every now and then, and so I had to go to one of their games. <laughs> well, what a, what a lame excuse. Do you understand that when your kid gets older, they're not going to want to have anything to do with you, but you got to see one of their games. You got to see one of their, you know, t-ball games as you were destroying their life with your anger. You see, how your spouse, and it could be you ladies, I'm picking on the guys, how your spouse will know you're serious about this is when Tuesday nights, nothing gets in the way of it. And you come down here and you say, you know, I'm, I'm going to go down, I'm really going to get some help. And I need more than just a, a sermon. Because it's just, it's just been ingrained in you in, in deep, deep ways. And so I just don't want to preach a message and then say, well, you know what, you know, good luck. <laughs> uh, that happens in too many churches. 
Be warm, be filled. Hey, we have Celebrate Recovery. Take advantage of it. Take advantage of it. And maybe it's, maybe your deal is in anger. Maybe you struggle with alcohol. Maybe you struggle with, uh, um, uh, I don't know, what, what is pornography. I, you know, there's lots of stuff out there. A lot of things that, that can just grip your life. And Celebrate Recovery is a place where, man, you get in this room. And I'm going to tell you what, there's no place on the planet like this place on a Tuesday night. When you've got, you, you, you just got hundreds and hundreds of people are just being honest about their life and they're here finding deliverance in Jesus Christ. They get in accountability groups. It's unbelievable. And maybe that's what you need to do. And then, hey, on your way out, what you're going to do is just hand these cards. Everybody's going to fill them out, okay? Everybody, maybe, maybe your deal is in anger, but you'd say, hey, pray for me. i got a health issue going on. And every Tuesday we get together, we take these cards, literally pray for every one of them. But if you want to put CR on that card, you, you do that, and, and that tells us, hey, we're going to pray specifically for you in a, in a targeted way, okay? Why don't you stand up? Stand up over in the venue, and Tim, uh, Tim's going to pray. Pastor Joel's going to pray and, and end our, our time here, okay? Joel, you, you pray, brother. <laughs>